0: God does not lie. He may provide some very hard truths, but He never fails to deliver His promises. And there's a total peace that one can experience. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's sermon podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of his glory. Be thou my wisdom and thou my I ever with thee and thou with me. Well, now it's uh, a distinct joy and privilege um, for me to introduce to you, to some of you who, who don't know uh, him, Carter Kennedy. Who's uh, a brother who's visiting us from uh, Christchurch and a dear friend of our pastor Chris, and he is uh, just really uh, delighted to share with us from God's word. Uh, we're going to hear from Jeremiah 29 and uh, yeah, so Carter, if you will, good morning. good morning. It's nice to be here with you all. Um, again, my name is uh, Carter Kennedy and um, I am an elder at Christ Church San Francisco, and uh, today's a very special day. I definitely remember um, when Chris uh, started First Prez, and they were meeting over at the Chronicle Building, and um, now we're here at the Commonwealth Club. And so to be uh, speaking to you as a church is, is an answer to prayer. Um, It's an answer to prayer, also because um, speaking to another church based in San Francisco that is developing disciples of Christ is amazing in and of itself. If we think about it, Um, and it's been amazing to see what God has done here in the city since I moved here in 2000. So it's uh, no no accident that you all are here today, and I'm excited to be here with you. Um, I've lived here for 20 years. I've been married uh, to a my amazing wife, Stephanie, who is here. Uh, we've been married for 15 years. We have two children, Franklin and Ford. Uh, they're in the Sunday school. They're nine and six. And um, Chris thought that um, you all might want to hear from me and my experiencing uh, living in San Francisco as a Christian for, uh, for 20 years. So I'm looking forward to uh, our time together this morning. Uh, before we get started, let me, let me start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this time. We thank you for um, the opportunity to come together and worship you. I thank you for um, this church. I thank you for all that are here today. I ask that you join us, that we uh, reflect upon your scripture, that we learn from you, uh, that we get um, our hope and our peace from you, and that you be with us this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, we're going to be reflecting on Jeremiah 29. through 13. Um, It's a uh, foundational uh, um, block of Scripture that has been important to my life. Um, It was actually pretty formative to me when I uh, was thinking about getting married and who I wanted to marry and if, in fact, I would marry someone that would align with that. So, Matter of fact, Ted and Sarah Lucas, who uh, attend this church, they were at our wedding and they, they read this scripture uh, during our wedding ceremony. So it's, a, it's an important uh, uh, passage and I'm excited that we're going get, to get through it. So I'm going to read it out loud and then we're going to um, dive in and, and, and study it. Jeremiah 29, 4-13. Thus says the I Am of hosts, And pray to the I Am on its behalf, for in its peace you will find your peace. For thus says the I Am of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the I Am. For thus says the I Am, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the I Am, plans for peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So this morning, we're going to look at God's command to the Israelites while they were in captivity. We're going to understand how they got there, what they were commanded to do, and what God promised. The whole purpose of this morning's discussion is to understand how a body of believers, such as you, should consider and reflect upon how to live in San Francisco or any city for that matter. My hope is after we're done, we will have a better understanding of how seeking the peace of a city is seeking Jesus Christ. And in doing so, you will have peace, a whole peace, a shalom. Verse four. We're going to, we're going to kind of dissect each verse here. Verse four says, thus says the, I am of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. The Israelites are in captivity and the I am, the God of Israel, has sent them there. There's no second guessing it. He he restates who he is. He says, I, I am the I am, but he also says that he put them there. He's created them. He's their God. And now he's letting him know that the only reason they are in captivity is because he put them there. I can't imagine what the Israelites must have thought when they read this. Like, why in the world would our God who brought us out of Egypt put uh, and put us put us into Egypt or brought us out of Egypt and put us into captivity? For most of us who live in San Francisco, either a job, education, or lifestyle are the reasons that we live and work here. Now there may be some here today that are from here, but the vast majority of those whom I meet have typically moved here from somewhere else. Some may feel like we are in some may feel like we are in captivity, and um, certainly today with the cost of housing, the cost of living, I mean that that can feel like we're in captivity. Some may be living here, having the time of their lives, excited to be here. Couldn't imagine that they would be living anywhere else, and it is an incredible place to be. Um, in 1998, I was living in LA for a couple months. Um, I didn't really like L.A., which uh, I think that's why God brought me up here. But a friend of mine who I knew while living in Phoenix had moved back to the Bay Area and invited me to move up here for Memorial Day weekend. Um, It was a fantastic weekend. Um, I met some amazing other believers that were uh, living in the area. I grew up in a military family and a dad who went to Texas A&M back in, uh, in Texas, and uh, he was uh, in the Air Force after that. So um, he was in the Air Force in the 60s. And so the very mention of anything close to Berkeley was never discussed in my household. <laughs> so the mere fact that I'm living and have been living in the Bay Area in San Francisco for 20 years is unusual, at least for, for you know, I never thought that I would, he- I would be here. Um, But after that weekend, my friend who was living up here was renting a house in Menlo Park, and they had an extra room. And he said, he asked me if I wanted to move up here. And I I felt like I should. I had no job. I was single. Yeah, but I believe that God was calling me to live here. Um, It's not the same as captivity. I I recognize that. But I do believe God sent me here. And what's mind-boggling to me is that San Francisco has been the place where I've learned what it means to be a disciple of Christ and experience peace. To this day, I really don't think the average human being thinks of San Francisco as a place where one seeks to know and experience the I am. I have no doubt that the Israelites thought that Babylon was no place for them to be, especially in captivity. But here we have God saying, you're here because I put you there, and you need to know that. And he makes that claim, and he tells them the news that they didn't really want to hear. You're there in your captivity because I put you there. I really want everyone today to think about why they're in San Francisco, what brought you here, and if you think you're here for the reasons that, you know, if you think you've brought yourself here, I want you to consider that maybe there's something else going on. Maybe you're here for a reason beyond yourself and more for his kingdom and the city of San Francisco. So let's look at verses uh, five through six. Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the peace of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the I am on its behalf. For in its peace, you will find your peace. There's a lot of action there that he's commanding them to do. He's, um, he's asking them to build. He's asking them to live. He's asking them to marry, have children. Um, he's asking them to multiply there. He is saying that while they're there, they're actually going to create two more generations of Israelites within Babylon. This would be extremely hard to hear. Um, I, you know, for those that, for those Israelites that may have been elderly, they're realizing that they're never going to leave potentially, um, for those that were, were children of the elderly, they're realizing that they're going to be much older before they potentially leave. And then you have the children that are not married, realizing that they're going to be, that they're going to marry and that they're not going to go anywhere until their grandparents. Um, that, that must have been extremely challenging to hear and probably unfathomable. If we think about uh, the U.S. today, uh, we certainly don't see multiple generations being established in one vicinity, but here God is establishing two generations within captivity. Not that it doesn't happen in San Francisco, but it's rare to have multi-generational families here in the city. Today, people are living in multiple cities throughout their lifetime. My in-laws, for example, are actually going to be moving um, after being in a place for 25 years, and it's been a um, it's been an interesting road to walk along them. But they feel that God is calling them elsewhere, and they are um, you know they they've been retired for 25 years, so um, so it's it, it, I guess the point is that you can never you can never totally be. Um, um, comfortable with where you're at. And I think what God is commanding here in verses um, 5 and 6 is that wherever you're living, you might be there longer than you think. Um, And I want to encourage you all as a church to fully experience and embrace what living in San Francisco may look like. Um, If you're single, you know, maybe you should consider dating. Don't be afraid to date. If you think that you should be living somewhere else until you get married, don't think that way. Um, If you are married and you're thinking that you want to have kids, have kids. Don't wait until you have the house or have financial stability. Get. I'm not saying get busy living, but I mean he's saying let's go, let's let's start having children. Um, There's not you know a house or financial stability is not going to. To, um, to be the reason to start living in the place that He's got you. Um, don't wait until everything is perfect. And so um, I think that that's what the purpose there is. Um, and for those that are married that might be considering having children, this is actually an amazing place to have, have kids. Uh, the amount of parks, the playgrounds, they are abundant and incredible. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, There's also an amazing national park called the Presidio. Um, It's an unbelievable place to go and explore. Um, I haven't even mentioned the the beaches, you know, we've got Ocean Beach, we've got China Beach, we've got Baker Beach. Um, The thing about Baker Beach is that you don't want to go too far north or you're going to see uh, people (laughs) enjoying their au au natural swimsuits, but um, it is an amazing place to live and to raise a family. And, um, you know, we, we are doing that and our kids are, are blessed by being here in the city. So, um, so I think, again, he is actively telling the Babylonians to get involved and start living as if you're living in Jerusalem um, and, it, it, and, and seek its peace um, because you're going to be there for 70, for 70 years. Let's see here. I think what he also is saying here too is that um, you know we know that they're not in the phys- physical location that he that they want to be in. Um, he, he 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 understands that he's putting them there, but living with purpose. And um, and I, I think he's letting them know, and he's letting us today know that you know until he wants you to move, uh, we need to live and invest. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's buying a house, maybe it's um, Renting, uh, whatever whatever it is, um, it's it's whatever the circumstances are. It's our responsibility to not worry how it's all going to play itself out. We are we are Christians uh, called uh, not to succumb to the worries and pressures of the current culture. And God makes makes it clear to the Israelites then, and He absolutely wants to, us to understand that is the same today, uh, right here and right now. Verse seven. But seek the peace of the city where I have sent you and pray to the I am on its behalf. For in its peace, you will find your peace. But seek the peace of the city where I have sent you and pray to the I am on its behalf. For in its peace, you will find your peace. All of you all in this room today have amazing God-given talents. Talents that you should be using not for your own gain, but for the uh, peace of the city. Um, Like I said earlier, a lot of you probably have moved here for an education, for a job. Maybe it's a a monetary reason. Um, But whatever the case may be, this first commands Israelites to seek the peace of the city. And the same command is true today. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and you have the opportunity to um, hire people and create jobs. And maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you have the chance to show the neighbors uh, your love for creating family and the importance of raising children and, be, and being available. Uh, for me, I had been in sales for about a decade, but never felt that I had a career. Um, I went through this program through the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce called Leadership San Francisco. And it was a ten-month course that uh, I and my other classmates. We spent one Thursday a month, understanding how the city ran itself. Uh, one month we may we met with the mayor and the board of supervisors. One month. One month. We looked at the educational system. We looked at the the, the fire, the fire and and, and police departments. Um, it, we looked at um, the homeless issue, which was a big issue back then. That was 15 years ago. It still is today, as we all know that. Uh, but it gave me an incredible overview of how the city works. And I also walked away with a deep desire to understand how I could use my sales skills basically to sell the city. I was trying to implement this verse on how to seek the peace of the city with the talents that God had given me. And I concluded that the best thing for me to do would do, uh, would to go into commercial real estate. And to work with companies and help them make wise real estate decisions here in the city, help them navigate that, um, so that they could um, not only have good leases in place, but that they could focus on um, their products, their services, but also focus on their uh, on their employees. And that's the backbone of a company, and that that's what the city's made up. of. It's made up of, of people, um, so. So that's how I sought the, the the peace of the city, is to um, is to use my, my my skills that God had given me, um, and as I said, I have found myself seeking the peace of the city by getting married uh, to Stephanie and being intentional about uh, wanting to have children and and raise our children here. For as long as God's got us here, and He He's got us here every every year. I kind of wonder how much longer it's going to, going to be, but um, it's been twenty years later, and so I'm still here. So uh, I joke uh, that maybe we're going to be moving, but it doesn't seem as if that's going to be happening anytime soon. Um, so and um, and then also, you know, back to jumping into my vocation, um, I've had an amazing opportunity for fifteen for fifteen years to interact with people that I would have never have interacted with. I've been exposed to all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of uh, different views of the world. And... Um, And yet I've been able to uh, not only pray with them, but have been involved with those people. And I think that that's what God is saying to the Israelites here in in captivity. You're going to be there for 70 years. I want to set you apart, but I want you to be uh, known for who you are, known for what you're going to do. And I want you to integrate with the Babylonians. Um, so it is the same for us today. Um, Use your talents. Get out there in the city. Interact with people that you may not want to interact with. Uh, don't you know? Don't retreat. Stay among your friends. Um, we've got a, an amazing amount of characters that run around San Francisco, to say the least. Um, and the opportunity to get the get to know those characters is is awesome. So uh, don't be afraid. Um, so the, um, the, I am, you know, he's saying to the Israelites, um, seek the peace of the city. And that's his command to us today. Um, but what else does he command? He commands that they pray. Uh, they are to pray to the, I am, and they are to pray for the city. And I'm, I'm sure you all are doing that. And if you're not, I hope that you are. Um, but what is he, does he, he guaranteeing that pra- in that prayer? That the more peace the city experiences, the more peace you're going to have. And I hope that you all are experiencing that. Certainly, uh, the Israelites knew the Psalms. Uh, they prayed the Psalms. I love Psalms 138 um, where that says, I don't know if you can, do you have a clicker? I love the Psalm uh, that, that the Israelites would have known too. But It says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, For the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you will save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. These are prayers that the Israelites would have prayed, and they're prayers for us today. Um, I especially like uh, verse 8, where he says, The Lord will vindicate me. Your love endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. We should be encouraged, knowing that God does not lie. He may provide some very hard truths for us to understand, um, some things that we don't want to hear. But He never fails to deliver His promises, ever. And there's a total peace that one can experience. The Israelites are hearing this. They're praying this. They're embracing this. And uh, what do we know today? We know that God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, is the only way we can experience peace in whatever life-changing circumstance you may find yourself in. And we are certainly in a very, very unique city where we are, um, we've are. we got all kinds of cultural issues going on right now that are extremely challenging. Uh, but God, what God says that He is going to be with them. He will vindicate them, and they know that. I think that's a, 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 beautiful, um, a beautiful prayer and a beautiful psalm. I want to go back to uh, Jeremiah, and I'll look at verses 8 and 9 work you go back verses eight and nine for thus says the I am of hosts the God of Israel do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name I did not send them," declares the I Am. So you know, basically, God again is telling them to uh, to not let prophets and diviners of those days deceive them. I love again that He's always declaring who He is. He's saying, "I am the I Am. I am the God of Israel." What else is he saying? He's saying, I know who you are. He's saying, I made you. And I also love that he's saying, I know you will be tempted to let these folks try and deceive you. And he also says that he knows that you can be deceived. I'm God. I am the I am. I know your heart. And I know you're going to be tempted. It can happen. Don't let it. I don't know exactly what the sort of dreams they were telling the Israelites, but if those dreams were anything remotely different than his command for them to build houses and gardens and have children, all that we looked at in verses 5 and 6, he's saying to them, don't listen to them. Again, we are inundated in numerous ways in which we can be distracted to not seek the peace of the city that you're in today. Do we dream about being somewhere else? Sometimes, yes. Do we dream of something better that God should provide for us? Yes. Do we dream of what we don't have or what we feel like we need all the time? Um, I know I do, Uh, but I think what's beautiful about this verse is that he knows it's going to happen. He's no, He knows, he says it, he knows the state of the world, he knows the condition of his people, he knows the condition of the heart, and he knows that at some point, they're going to be tempted to listen to someone he did not send, which means they are not listening to him. And it goes for us the same today. You have to be on guard. You all are going to be tempted, potentially deceived, and don't think it, ha- don't think it can't happen to you. Because God says it can happen, and it it, it might happen. So be on the lookout and be aware. I also think that this verse is an extremely loving statement. It's a statement of concern to his children. He's telling them how much he cares. He's telling them that he loves them, and he wants them to have peace. And though he put them in captivity, he again is demonstrating his incredible love and desire to protect and equip them for how to live these these prophets are um, are here today they are here to deceive us and don't think that they're not amongst us here in san francisco we have to be on the lookout anyone that is encouraging you to seek peace elsewhere or to pray to something else is not from god and that's the same for us today. Just like the Israelites were to seek the peace of the city, we are to pray to the I am, the God of Israel. It's an amazing little part of this passage where he basically says, again, I, I know what you're going through and I know, what you, I know what you're capable of. Be on guard, protect yourself, equip yourself, and always follow me. So we've got these last three verses. Verses 10 through 13. For thus says the I am. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you declares the I am plans for peace and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will hear you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart um these last few sentences he's certainly making a number of statements he's obviously declaring that 70 years is going to happen that's the time frame that they've been given it's their new reality um, he's also saying that 70 years is the time in which the people of Israel are going to be uh, stripped down. They're going to be they're to re-understand who they are. They're going to be re-centered. They're going to be removed of their idols. He states numerous times what he's going to do, too. And I think this is awesome. He's going to visit. He's going to fulfill. He's going to bring them back. He's declaring everything that he is going to do. Is for their benefit. But what does he want for them? He wants them to experience peace. Again, he knows the condition of the human heart. It's searching for answers. It's searching for peace. And he wants them to experience peace and not evil. He knows the human race and the Israelites live in a fallen world full of evil. And what does evil want to do? Satan through evil wants to destroy wants to crush us destroy all hope but God continues to over and over declare who he is why they can trust him and what is he saying he's saying I know I know you need a savior I am that savior I'm going to provide peace future and hope and that is only going to come through me he's saying he he knows the human need And he's pointing out to the Israelites that they need them, And he's also pointing out to them that the Babylonians need them in some way. And that they're there for them to experience a people who are called by God to worship and call upon him solely. No other gods can provide this. And there are no other gods one should worship. Acts uh, 17, 22 through 31 says this. Paul then stood up in the meeting of Areopagus and said, "'People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your object, objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, "'To an unknown God.' So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. "'The God who made the world and everything in it, in it is the Lord of heaven and earth,' And does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he gives himself everyone life and breath and everything else. From, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. God is pointing to a savior that he knows the world needs. He's letting the Israelites know that at this place and time, they are to seek him. And for us today, we know that God has provided his son, Jesus Christ, as the savior of peace Peace you can only experience through Him who was crucified, He died, He was buried, and is risen from the dead. To all of us in this room today, the city of San Francisco needs us. They need us in the neighborhoods, whether it's renting or owning. They need us walking down the streets. They need us in the grocery stores, in the restaurants, in the art museums, in the music venues. They need us on the bus or now the Uber or the Lyft. Um, They need us in the workplace as employers. They need us as employees. They need us in the schools. They need us getting married. They need us having children. They may even need us retiring here. Our opportunity as Christians called to live in San Francisco for either a month or 70 years is to directly or indirectly demonstrate a life that lives in peace. There are certainly a lot of signs in this city about peace, but that point, that peace is pointing to and coming from, as Paul states, from a God that is not known. We know that God made himself clear to the Israelites back in the Old Testament such as Jeremiah, and he's making it clearer to us today through the work and the love of his son, Jesus Christ. My prayer for all of you today is that you will walk out of here looking at San Francisco differently, not as a place that you can benefit from, but as a place you are called to be, a city that you can invest and live your life as a living message of hope, a hope filled with peace that comes from the only known God that knows you and desires to give you a hope and a future that you will never find outside of him. And through you, you will be a living example to those that we know are desperate for help, for love, and for a community. The Israelites were in exile to demonstrate to the Babylonians that there is a God, a God that cares for his people and desires to know him and experience a complete peace. And that's exactly what he wants to do through the body of Christ here in San Francisco. That's what he wants to accomplish through all of you all here at First Presbyterian Church. I thank you for the opportunity to uh, just give you my take on Jeremiah. Thank you for listening to me. Um, I'm encouraged by this church and all that you all are doing. Um, And I can't wait to see how God continues to use this church and all the other churches uh, that we have in the city as Peter prayed, we've got an amazing amount of churches that are happening here right now. There was, that was unbelievable 20, 25 years ago. And it's happening. We, in my mind, are at a tipping point of seeing some extremely dynamic things happening for the kingdom of God in ways that are going to infiltrate every area of what how the city runs. And we get to be a part of it. And it's exciting. So thank you for your time today. And let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to reflect on Jeremiah and the Psalms and Acts. I thank you for all that you are doing. I thank you that we get to be a part of it. I lift up this church and this body of believers. I lift up this community. I ask that you be with them wherever they go after the service and whatever uh, interaction they're having with a muni driver or with someone that's working or a waiter or wherever they may be. I ask as they reflect upon this day, it's a gorgeous day in San Francisco. Uh, We're surrounded by so much beauty, but we know that there's so much brokenness. And I ask that you would use us, Father, to not only think about the city differently, but to serve your kingdom and in a way provide a peace and help people point to peace that it comes only from you, your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 in Barcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you. we